uh, with us on this Sunday, whether it is, you know, you've been here for all three years. We just celebrated our third birthday last week. If you've been here for all three years of that, a uh, fun roller coaster ride trying to start a church in the middle of COVID, or it's your first Sunday here. Either way, we're really excited to have you worshiping with us here uh, today as we uh, jump into a new series. Um, and I'm going to kind of talk about that new series here in just a bit, but let me pray first and then we'll kind of unpack everything that we have uh, today. Lord, thank you for being with us. That's what we're going to be talking about today is how you're with us, you guide us. Um, I pray that in this moment, God, that you would be with us. Your, your, your presence would be uh, thick in this room. Um, even though it is always with us, God, I pray that we would feel it, we would know it, and that we would know what it looks like to follow you uh, in this moment and then continue to follow you as we leave uh, here this Sunday morning. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, who is our good shepherd. Amen. So I want to talk a little bit about Psalm 23 today. Now, Psalm 23 is one of the most famous chapters in the whole Bible. Maybe you could even make a case it is the most famous chapter in the whole Bible. It's, it's something that, you know, most, I would say most Christians feel pretty familiar with. And it's one of those few things I would say today, even in our sort of, you know, more post-Christian culture, that even people outside the church who like don't know much about the Bible also might have some familiarity with. It has a lot of phrases in it that are really well known and kind of get used even by people who maybe don't even know what it's taken from. So like the valley of the shadow of death, right? That's sort of a common phrase people, you know, might throw into their, you know, some sentence or phrase that they're using and really not have any idea where it comes from. And it just kind of shows sort of the, uh, the, the pervasiveness of this psalm and how much, you know, it speaks to us, even if we're not necessarily people who call ourselves uh, sheep, the sheep in the psalm, or people who follow after the good shepherd. And I think it's a, it's a famous psalm because it's really simple, it's really easy to grasp, but it's also really profound, right? God is a shepherd, we are sheep. It sets a very simple relationship dynamic between the sheep and the shepherd and a sort of really simple, but again, profound metaphor for what life looks like for us to follow after uh, the shepherd, for the shepherd to tend for us and care for us. He is good, we are vulnerable, etc., etc. But I wonder, kind of despite that, like how seriously we actually take the psalm a lot of times, okay? And let me explain what I mean here, okay? I'm going to read the psalm here in just a second for us, but when I do, I want you to ask yourself uh, what words you would use to describe the sort of emotional state of the sheep as they find themselves led by and tended by the shepherd, okay? So let me read it, let me read it, and just kind of Kind of think in your mind, like, how would I describe how the sheep is feeling or what, what state they're in as they go through this? Okay, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I would describe the sheep here as I read it, and I've been reflecting on it here the last few weeks prepping for this, as refreshed, abundant, well-fed, peaceful, flourishing, uh, you could maybe say unhurried, satisfied, not you know, consistently anxious, like very rarely finding themselves anxious. 
sort of fully themselves, very, you know, fully alive, like, you know, fully just being a sheep, whatever being a sheep looks like, right? They're just doing it, and they feel free to kind of live that out, okay? Kind of trusting that while they might not know what's next, they kind of can feel some comfort and peace in that because they trust who is leading them to wherever, you know, they are going next. They trust that they'll be headed to a place where they will be finding nourishment. They will be beside still waters. They can feel safe in the midst of dark valleys, right? Now, if I had to put all that into one word, I would put it in this word, whole. Okay, the sheep who is led by and tended by the the, the good shepherd is whole. I want to talk about that, okay? We're talking about wholeness. I want to ask you, after the last couple of years we've been going through, and maybe longer, how many of you actually feel whole? You feel like the sheep in the, the, the psalm here. You feel like that really describes you well on a regular basis. My guess is, just having conversations with you, people, you know, not, not just people at Red City, but kind of all over, looking at myself, is I, I would guess you would say, a lot of you at least would say, you don't feel like this describes you on a regular basis right now. Right? You, you kind of struggle to consistently feel that way. I think it's, you know, maybe you feel kind of some different ways, right? Um, you know, uh, Bilbo Baggins says this line from Lord, Lord of the Rings where he talks about how he feels like butter that's been, you know, scraped over too much bread. I always thought that's a really good way to describe, like a way to feel, right? I know I felt like that at times this year. In our um, community group this last summer, uh, we were kind of talking, I don't remember honestly what we were talking about, but someone brought up the metaphor of a Peloton. You guys, not the, not the thing that you buy and you ride at home and you get yelled at by someone in a screen who tells you to, you know, pedal faster, right? But, but what actually that word comes from, it's actually, you know, when you watch a bike race, there's a group of people, right? And they're all riding in a, in, a, in a huge, like, group. And you probably are wondering, like, why are they all, you know, doing that? Aren't they racing each other? Right? Well, there's a re- the reason is because like, when you form a group like that, it's sort of, you know, it makes it a lot easier to ride your bike. There's a lot less wind resistance. But the person at the front of the peloton, they're the one who sort of is like pushing through it all. Right? So they're doing a lot of extra work to make it so the people behind them can sort of feel like they can you know, uh, take it a little bit easier. And, and someone said, man, I kind of feel like I've been at the front of a peloton for a while now. And, and what struck me about that, not only that was, it was a good analogy, but also just how everybody, it felt like, who was sitting in the, in the ring that we were, we were discussing in, all were like, yes, that is how I feel right now, okay? And I, I think a lot of us maybe feel like that, right? We feel, we feel exhausted, we feel burnt out, we feel tired. It could be work that's sort of, you know, your work, it's just wearing you ragged, right? It's just too much. Uh, it feels like this can't be like a sustainable way for me to keep you know, doing my job, but it doesn't seem like there's anything that's going to change, and it seems like I'm the weird one if I can't you know, put up with this. Maybe it's family, like you know, struggling to sort of make things work with the craziness going around in the world around us that you know, already on top of just the challenges of, of you know, raising a family, right? The natural challenges that everyone experiences with that. It could be just the trauma of COVID, like the constant you know, news cycle and kind of back and forth that we've been used to now. It's kind of been our, come our new normal for the last couple of years. It could be the intense polarization and divisions, right, that you might find even in your own family and friends, like as a big gap, you know, to, to relationship with people, a real challenge for us to move forward in all sorts of ways because we're just so different on how we fundamentally see the world with so many people. Right? It could be anxieties about next steps you're taking, 
right? Maybe you're, you know, a lot of people in this room I know are kind of navigating the early parts of their career journeys and they're thinking about, you know, what's next for me? And you have a lot of anxiety about that when you don't know what's coming up next. I know that's a real, you know, common thing to feel. So maybe you're feeling a lot of anxiety from that. Maybe you find yourself in a situation that is abusive or challenging in some way. It, it could just be, uh, you know, feeling the trauma of the last couple of years of our, you know, racial uh, wrecking that we've been kind of living with, right? Uh, it could be guilt, unfulfilled hopes and dreams. There's all sorts of things that could be making us feel this way. And they've kind of been just there for a while now. And maybe in the moment when you first realize you were feeling that, it wasn't a whole lot. But carrying it for so long just makes you feel weary and not whole. Okay? I would imagine a lot of us would resonate with something uh, to that in some way. And may- maybe you don't. And if you don't, then I- I'm happy for you. I think that's good. And I still think this series, even though we're, I'm kind of setting it up this way, I still think there's going to be a lot here for you to engage in. But for those of you who are feeling that way, I want to sort of let you know that this is kind of behind why we decided to do the series that we're doing uh, that's going to take us through a lot of the rest of the winter and, and, and through the spring up to the summer. And we're calling it, He Refreshes My Soul, kind of based on that verse in, in Psalm 23. I think it's verse 3. Okay, we're leaning into sort of our collective weariness that we all have from the last few years. And honestly, if we're being honest with ourselves, probably you had some of that before 2020 hit. That'd be my guess. That would be my, my best guess. Now, we're calling it, He Refreshes My Soul, because the idea that we find in the psalm of the shepherd coming and gathering his scattered sheep, really the gospel itself, is that when we return and we follow after him, we're refreshed and we're made whole. Okay, that is what happens when we follow after uh, the, the shepherd. And so the series is going to be about us, what it looks like for us to stick close to the shepherd and be led by him to wholeness, to figure out what it looks like for us to follow after the shepherd to find wholeness. Wherever we're at, wherever we feel like in relation to this psalm, we want to just talk about that and break it down. Now here, a little caveat before we move forward at all here, okay? This isn't me telling you you will experience perfect wholeness if you follow this seven-step process that I'm going to, you know, tell you all, and then we'll be in a book that's coming out later on, right? That's not what's, what's going on here, okay? Um, the truth is we won't experience sort of proper full wholeness. There's nothing wrong with, with, with experiencing bouts of, of not feeling fully whole because we live in a world that is not whole. And we're, you know, we're awaiting a redemption of the whole creation itself, which includes us, to wholeness. And that's when we'll finally experience the full wholeness, I think, that is promised to us in the gospel, that, is, that Jesus sort of offers to us in the gospel, okay? But that doesn't mean that as we now sort of follow the shepherd through this world, through the valley of the darkest shadow, that we're not going to find ourselves experiencing, you know, strong glimpses of wholeness, and that we're not supposed to seek it out, because that is something that comes when the gospel comes on us. Now, let me describe wholeness. Here, what I mean a little bit more here, and kind of taking this from, from uh, the, the psalm, and we'll kind of return to this throughout the series. But I would say a sheep that is whole, you know, again, basing this off the psalm, is nourished with a daily life that produces and maintains peace. They are rested and they are disciplined to follow the voice of the shepherd wherever he calls them to go. Okay? I would call this wholeness, okay? Nourished at peace, knowing how to find peace, disciplined and following the voice of the shepherd wherever he calls them. Okay, so we're going to talk about what it looks like to sort of, you know, find these things in this series. 
So where do we start? I think that's where a lot of you are asking, well, what's the starting point? You know, I, 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 I get this question a lot. Like, well, what does it look like for me to actually be connected to Jesus, to know his presence, to follow his voice, all these different things? I know it's a regular thing people ask, and you might have some confusion about it. So where do we start? Well, where, I want to start with where we, where we don't start, okay? Or some places to kind of just check, check and see if, like, this has been my end to this in the past. And, and uh, Rich, Rich Villadas, he's a, a pastor in New York. I thought he really helpfully talks about, he has a whole book about this called The Deeply Formed Life. Um, and he kind of helpfully identifies some superficial ways that we might find transformation uh, or wholeness, okay? And, and he kind of identifies them around believing, doing, and feeling. Those three things is kind of our starting point in. And he kind of says, you know, sometimes, in, in, a lot of times you find these in more conservative traditions, believing the right things is supposed to lead to transformation or wholeness, okay? Getting right theology, you know, and which, which causes you to overlook the inner character work that God does. Just, you just know the right things to believe, and that'll produce wholeness and transformation, okay? Now, that's good. You should believe rightly, like, that we should know the truth, but just knowing the truth is not going to get us all the way there, okay? And, and in fact, that can often lead to sort of ideological purity tests, right, as a way to sort of push people out, and you'll run into trouble if you don't pass the test, right? That's what it looks like in a community when everyone is only chasing after that. Now, he says sometimes in some progressive traditions, you'll, in, you'll find uh, that doing the right things is, is kind of the, the way people will seek to find wholeness or transformation, where transformation is really just about right action, about doing righteousness, right? Sort of, sort of you know, putting a lot of work and will into just doing the right things, trying to be the right person because of that. And a lot of times that comes at the expense of personal humility and mercy, he says, and, and within a community setting, you'll find a lot of times that leads to more sort of Phariseeism, sort of cancel culture, where you get judged and kind of told you're a good or bad person based off this strict code of ethics, okay? So that's not a path to wholeness either, right? There's some good to that too, identifying our actions, believing that we make an impact in the world, and asking ourselves, how can we make sure that's in alignment, you know, with the gospel, but that by itself is not going to get us there either. And then he says, in some charismatic traditions, some more charismatic or Pentecostal traditions, you will find that the, the, the path in will sometimes be presented as feeling the right things. Okay, so if you just, you will get transformation if you just find yourself having the right experience. Okay, but without really focusing on the deeper work of loving well and exploring our inner worlds, he says. And in a community, a lot of times that can feel like, you know, this sort of toxic positivity. And if someone is feeling not positive, right, and they are willing to admit it, then they start to feel some shame just because they don't feel good, right? Depression is seen as sinful or ungodly, right? And a lot of times you're not allowed to feel those things because, you know, you have to feel rightly in order to feel like you're, you know, finding transformation. And, and again, our feelings matter. It's good for us to feel, you know, uh, rightly. But, but we're going to feel down. We're going to feel depression. And we'll talk about this in a little bit. That's where God meets us a lot of times is in those moments. We have to allow ourselves to feel it. So, you know, where do we start then? Like, it can, be, it can feel hard to know sometimes. I think sometimes, you know, we might think, what is following after the shepherd, right? Feeling connected to him, finding his presence can feel like 
like an escape room or something like that, right? Like where we have to put all the pieces together in the right order, find the secret clues in order to unlock the door to get out of the room, right? I think that's sometimes how we feel about it. I was thinking about the, you know, this the other day. I was watching the press conference from the new general manager the Vikings hired, a guy named Kwezi Adofu-Mensa, and he's kind, of, he's kind of this genius wonderkin. This is kind of how you know, he's being portrayed, like uh, brilliant. He actually worked on Wall Street for a while. He's got like a PhD from uh, Princeton, I believe, and then got his master's at Stanford. Uh, he, he's, he's very brilliant, right? And he chose to be a, a football general manager for some reason, but... Um, he was talking, this, this guy, he's, he's supposed to be brilliant, and he was saying in his press conference, listen, like, football is just, it, at, at its base, it's a sport where you want to basically, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you want to score a lot of points and get a lot of yards and keep the other team from doing it. It's really that simple, okay? And so he's going to obviously, I hope, you know, think about it a little more deeply than that when he does his job, but what I think he was pointing out was like, at the end of the day, like, keep it simple, Okay? Like, we can do this a lot of times. We, we can, you know, create all these extra layers to things when really at the heart of it, it's a pretty simple idea. And I think wholeness and following after the shepherd is actually like that. It's a lot simpler than what we might think. Okay? And so I just, you know, you can go ahead and write this down if you want. It's just walking with the shepherd. Okay? At the end of the day, finding wholeness, finding connection with God is just walking with the shepherd. Just making that sort of a part of your habits, a part of your rhythms, at the top of your mind, just walking, just doing life in the presence of the shepherd. Now again, it's, there's more to it than that, and this whole series is going to be us breaking that down, but that's where we ought to start. That's where we'll find transformation and wholeness, is walking with the shepherd in our lives, being the sheep of the psalm, having life-giving connection to the shepherd. Now let's switch metaphors here, okay? We've been talking about uh, sheep and shepherds, and that's a pretty dominant metaphor in Scripture. Let's jump to another very dominant metaphor in Scripture and talk a little bit about um, uh, uh, vines, okay? Or, or, or plant imagery. Because Scripture has a word for what I'm talking about, of walking close to the shepherd. And the word is, in the really great King James translation, abiding. For some reason, all the other newer translations don't use the word abide anymore. I really like that one, okay? Abiding in uh, the vine. And Jesus is using plant imagery when he talks about this. And I think that's important because it reminds us there's something sort of organic to this, okay? There is a, something about being connected to the right source is what brings sort of growth in our lives, making sure we're connected to it. This is our connection to Jesus and his grace, right? And it's the heart of the gospel. It's the heart of the spirit, Coming and being with us is making it so we abide in the life-giving roots of Jesus himself, okay? But life needs stability in order to really grow up healthy, okay? Kids will grow. Kids will, you know, kids will go from being little babies to being full adults, right, on their own, right, as long as they're just getting food and stuff. But I think we all know that having some stability in that process and as parents, I know, you know so many of you are you know, trying to figure out what it looks like to put good process into the growth of our children. Like That is going to help them to grow to be healthy. Not just, not just grow in, in, as time moves on, but to grow to be healthy versions of themselves. And, and we need some stability or structure in order to make that happen. 
And so I want to go back to that vine imagery here because we get that when we kind of use this analogy. And I'm, I'm going to take, a, a, it's a bit of a longer quote, but it's really good because I think he really says it well from a, a guy named John Mark Comer. And he says this in this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And he compares the sort of structure that life often needs to grow up healthy with the trellis that vines grow on so often, right? It's, it's kind of a lattice, like the, 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 the vines can kind of grow through it and it gives the vines structure so they can grow in a healthy way. Now, he calls it a rule of life. If that scares you off, just he just is talking about structure, okay? If you don't like that language, that's fine. Um, just don't, don't uh, sort of get caught up on that word. Okay, so here's what he says. The word rule comes from the Latin word regula, which literally means a straight piece of wood. Think a ruler. I know people don't use rulers anymore because your phone tells you distances between things, but an, a ruler is an old piece of wood, that tells you how long something is, in case you're wondering. I don't actually know. I, I know this, like, even my experience as a kid growing up, everything has changed, it seems like. So I want to make sure everyone knows what I'm talking about. But it was also used for a trellis. Think of Jesus teaching on abiding in the vine from John 15, one of his most important teachings on emotional health and spiritual life. What's underneath, what's underneath every thriving vine? A trellis a structure to hold up the vine so it can grow and bear fruit. What a trellis is to a vine, a rule is uh, to abiding. A rule of life is to abiding. It's a structure, and in this case, a schedule and set of practices to set up abiding as the central pursuit of your life. It's a way to organize all of your life around the practice of the presence of God, to work hard and rest and play and eat and drink and hang out with your friends and run errands and catch up on the news, all out of a place of deep, loving enjoyment of the Father's company. If a vine doesn't have a trellis, it will die. And if your life with Jesus doesn't have some kind of structure to facilitate health and growth, it will wither away. Okay, let that, let that sink in here, okay? If we don't put some sort of structure in our life, and my goal is to really unpack this throughout the series to kind of show, you know, what it means for us to kind of go about trying to abide without any sort of really healthy structure in place to help us to grow. It will wither away. You will find it very hard to engage in the presence of God if there's not some intentionality in your life. You're not willing to actually put it into the daily rhythms and patterns of your life. It's just going to wither away. Okay, so essentially what he, the big idea is this. Just like we would need habits or, 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 or practices or rhythms or certain disciplines, uh, you call the rule of life, uh, but some kind of structure in order to do things like graduate college, raise our kids, like, you know, all that stuff. God uses structure to have us abide in him, to help us to find sort of enjoyment in his presence and wholeness. Now, he can and does move outside of structure sometimes, okay? And that's his prerogative. God can do whatever he wants, right? Things like visions or signs or miracles, right? These kind of sort of things that go above and beyond are unexpected sort of moments of seeing God break into reality and do something because he wants to. That happens, okay? And it is only through grace and grace alone that we find ourselves growing more into the image of Jesus. But the grace of God so often works through this structure. And I think it's important for us to be aware of that and intentional of our lives because that's when we're going to really see God move in a sustained way. And wholeness, wholeness isn't just therapeutic, okay? It's not just about sort of making you feel better, okay? It's going to grow godly fruit and expand God's kingdom, 
when we're doing this, all right? Think about a vine. The goal of a vine is not to become a big sort of leafy mess for its own sake, but to grow fruit, right? To produce some grapes so you can turn it into some, you know, delicious wine or grape juice or, or whatever you want to do with it. It's to produce good fruit. That's why people are trying to grow vines or other plants that they maybe, you know, put some sort of trellis or structure in there. And we're like that. We're going to become fruit-bearing people when we are really intimately connected to the Father. We're going to find that our, you know, who we are to people around us, the things that we can give away are better when we're connected to God than when we're not. That's just the truth of it. And that's why it's important for us, if we care about the world around us, to be worried about being connected to God and having that be an intentional thing that we're doing in our lives. And so this sermon series is going to be all about finding wholeness and then bearing fruit through our intentional, intentionally following the shepherd, abiding in him. And so we'll unpack it all. I will, you know, we're going to get into this in more depth, I promise, but I want to start off with sort of this simple idea. Okay? We'll talk about what it looks like to foster a connection. We'll talk about specific practices or habits or, 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 or disciplines to, for you to consider and implement in your life. And we'll give you time in your community groups to talk about what it looks like for you specifically to practically do this in your life. Okay? I'm not going to tell you all. You've got to you know, do all these steps. I want to give you space to sort of process it, you know, through this together about what it looks like to be intentional. Because it will look different for us because we are all in different parts you know, of the world. We, we have have different personalities, right? So it's going to look a little bit different for us, but it matters that we're all, you know, engaging in that together and sort of giving each other wisdom. We'll talk about those, those practices, those disciplines. We'll also talk about threats, like things that are challenges. Like next week's sermon is going to be mostly about one major threat to this, okay? So remember, like, uh, you, you know, a sheep that is whole is nourished with a daily life that produces and maintains peace, it's, it's rested, it's disciplined to follow the voice of the shepherd where he calls them. So for nourishment, we're going to talk about things like studying scripture and then meditating on it. We're going to talk about worship and celebration, how those things fuel us and give us life, help us to grow, to be nourished. To talk about a daily life that produces peace, we're going to talk about cutting out the turmoil that drains us, whether it's stuff going on outside or stuff going on inside. Okay, how to be sensitive to know what it looks like to, you know, to, to analyze that and to, to know how to cut that stuff out. Uh, when we're talking about uh, being rested, we're going to talk about Sabbath, resisting hurry. We're going to talk about how to engage well with media and technology. Okay, we're going to get conversations going around all those things. To talk about discipline, we're going to talk about habits of denying self for the good of others, building character and virtue in ourselves that will naturally form us and how we move and operate in the world as we're intentionally building those things. And following the voice of the shepherd, we'll talk about things like meditation and, again, scripture study, ways to hear the voice of the shepherd calling us uh, into, uh, to follow him to wholeness. Now, let me just call this out. You might be sitting here, and I, I understand some of you might actually, this might actually make you feel more anxious because you're thinking, oh, man, this is like one more thing I got to put into my life. Like, I'm, I feel like my life is a cup uh, and I'm filled with water, and I'm already spilling over the top, and if you put something else in there, like, it is just going to overflow more, and that sounds nerve-wracking to you. And I want to, you know, I want to re- relieve the, you of this, okay? Because abiding isn't just something else you add into your schedule, okay? Following the shepherd is not just one more thing you add to your life on top of all the stuff you're already doing. It's the thing that goes underneath it all and sort of sets how you do everything else in your life. 
Okay, it, it, it orders and rearranges all the other stuff that you're doing to make sure that you are being led by God to wholeness. Okay, it, it, it's you not allowing your soul to be controlled by the things that come in and pull you away from the shepherd. It's you determining that wholeness is not going to come from anything else ultimately at the end of the day. And ultimately, I think it's you being willing to be honest with yourself. Okay? Again, I know many of you, you're, I think we're good at this, right? I don't know if it's a, it's a younger person thing or what. I think we're good at acknowledging when we don't feel great. But there is still a pressure on us to sort of, you know, not make it seem that bad, right? Or, or to kind of pu- just push through it. You'd be like, it'll get better. Things will change someday. I don't really need to deal with this problem. I can just, you know, if I can just manage it for a little bit longer, things will change, Okay? But I'm telling you, if you feel like you need to be refreshed right now, this is for you. If you're feeling weary, if you're feeling in despair, this is for you to think about. If you feel constant anxiety, stress, worry, busyness, hurry, and the fatigue that all of those things bring, this is for you. If you're numb to the world, okay, if you just don't care anymore, this is for you too. Okay, This is for all of us. And it matters, I think, that we're honest with ourselves, that deep down we're probably feeling some version of those things. Because here's another, I think, really important thing for us to know as we start this off, when we talk about God's presence and sets us up to start this journey with the shepherd, is that God's presence, it really comes to us primarily when we do acknowledge that we're lowly in heart. Okay, when we're not trying to, you know, let God know, hey, we're great don't you want to hang out with me? It's, hey, things are not okay. And I need you to be with me, God. That's where his presence floods us, is when we're willing to acknowledge that. When we let ourselves get to that point. If you want to experience the presence of God, this is really countercultural, okay? That's why it's a challenge for us. Again, this is why we need to set up rhythms to make this happen for us on a daily basis because it's incredibly against the grain of everything else we do in our culture, okay? If you want to experience the presence of God, it's not through you just pushing through, through trying to tell everybody that you're okay, to, con- to clinging to some success or glory, you know, from, from some human perspective that you value, and, and thinking God's going to reward you because you're there. He's going to think that, you know, you're, you know, he's going to gain something by bringing his presence to you, Okay. Psalm 23, we miss this sometimes in the translation when we read it, but ultimately, Psalm 23 is about a scared, lost sheep that has gotten separated from the pack. It is freaked out. It it, it is aware that there are predators out there. It is aware that it is lost, and it is not going to find water or grass on its own. And it it, it is a sheep that has been brought back by the good shepherd and led back to wholeness, Okay? That's what Psalm 23 is about. And as we're going to really embody that well, we're going to have to acknowledge that we are that lost sheep sometimes. Right? That's how the gospel comes to us, but we continue to find ourselves you know, getting off track a little bit and the shepherd coming and getting us and us need to kind of consistently follow him. And that's, some of the, that's why Psalm 23 is so profound because it continues to describe us throughout the rest of our lives as people who are continuing to follow after the, the shepherd. And it's about him gently coming back to us and refreshing us over and over and over again and us following after him to find wholeness. So if we're going to do this, it's going to take some intentionality from you. And I want to just prepare you for that, okay? I want you to be ready for it. 
Okay? It'll take you learning to say no to some things, yes to some others that you might not be currently saying no or yes to. It's going to take you being willing to, to be accountable with people, right? to be challenged and encouraged in the community of people who together we're all following after uh, the shepherd together. It's going to you know, take conversation and encouragement. Uh, it's going to take some denial and maybe some discomfort. But I, I am telling you guys, I really believe it will lead to the wholeness that I think so many of us feel like we don't have right now. Okay? And so it matters that we're willing to do this. Okay? So for the next couple of months, this is going to be what we're talking about. Um, we're going to move into a time of worship here. That's kind of all I have for us this morning before we you know, hop into the series proper, start digging into all these different things that I've kind of tried to unpack today. Um, but I want you, as we do enter this time of worship, and as we take communion, to just ask yourself, like, do I feel whole? Do I feel like I find myself on a regular basis connected to abiding in the Good Shepherd? Okay, I want you to kind of examine yourself and take communion here where, where we remind ourselves every single week. This is one of the habits and rhythms that we do as a church to remind ourselves of our need for our Savior, the one whose body was broken and his blood was shed for us so that we might find wholeness and life. Okay, And our connection to him through worship, through communion, through prayer, through community with other sheep is going to be the thing that leads us to that wholeness, to make us feel that in a real sense, okay? So I'll invite the worship team up, and I'm going to pray here. Lord, we thank you that you are our good shepherd. You, um, you lead us to wholeness. You refresh our souls, God, when we so often need it. And I think maybe at this time, maybe more than, you know, for some of us at any other time in our life, we feel the need of that, God. But you'd help us as, as we you know, walk through this series, as we do it together as a community. We spend time in community groups. We have conversations outside of it that you'd help us to have wisdom in, in, in order to describe how, how we're doing and we can talk about it with others. That you give us wisdom through uh, the, the words that are preached um, throughout the series by, by me and, and other people who are going to be uh, preaching in this series to, to find wholeness, to give us wisdom, and that we may truly just be sheep who are following after you, God. Help us to know what that looks like and to experience wholeness as we do. We pray this in the name of the Good Shepherd, Jesus. Amen.